Discover raw, inspiring stories from runners who've been right where you are. This is the Choose to Endure Ultra Running Podcast with your host, he's English, not Australian, Richard Gleave. All right, so welcome back and thanks for joining us again. This is the Choose to Endure podcast. We are dedicated to the back of the pack ultra runners who are redefining possible one epic journey at a time. Today, I am super pleased to be joined by Rob Foster. So Rob is an award-winning international speaker. He is a mental health advocate and also host of his own hit podcast, Shut Up and Grind, where he inspires guests to share their stories of trauma, survival, and defying the odds. He helps people heal themselves while empowering others that are having similar struggles, which I think is an, is an incredible thing to do. Having overcome his fair share of pain, uh, including divorce, the doctors saying he'd never run again, watching his father pass away, losing a job after 21 years, and being a single parent to five kids, ooh, challenging to name a few, Rob created his flagship program, Speak About Yourself Out Loud, where he helps people take their stories from a place of pain to a place of power. But in addition to all that, Rob also finds time somehow to compete in Spartan Ultra races. And that's really what we're here to discuss today. Rob's got a great story. We got some hopefully great conversation to talk through. So, Rob, welcome to the show. Wonderful to have you on. Maybe we should start at the beginning, since usually that's the most logical place to start. Uh, for <laughs> for folks listening who may not be familiar, what are Spartan Ultras? What makes them different to kind of the regular ultra running that we might be familiar with? And really, how did you get into participating in, in these events? All right. Well, like, first, thank you for the opportunity to be on. And in 2011, I donated a kidney to my sister. And so this was in May. And part of the rehab was I wanted to get back to full health as quickly as possible. Because two years yeah. prior, I had a bad knee injury. And it took, you know, a solid two years to really get back to doing stuff again. And so coming off of off of the kidney donation, because they took it right through my abdomen. And Ooh. right around that time, I saw an advertisement for a race called Boulder Dash. It's a local race here in Rhode Island. And so my goal was to get myself healthy again enough to do that race and so that's relevant because that's what jump-started my love of OCR and to be fair I didn't like that first one <laughs> I didn't like it at well, all we rarely do really... it's the same it's the same across the <laughs> exactly. board right the first one is always awful uh, for sure yes yes because like I'm not I'm not a runner but I was intrigued by the obstacles so at the end of the race and a couple of days later once my my legs you know, got back to normal from being sore from going up and down the, the ski slopes. I was like, you know what? I can put together a training program. I was like, I, I can do a better job. But like, let's do another one. So we found another one. I went with some of my, my gym clients and we did another one. Then we did another one. And then I was hooked. So around that time, I started seeing advertisements for Spartan races. Hmm. And as I looked into it, to, again, to be honest, it looked cheesy. <laughs> I looked cheesy. Had people with the Spartan helmets on and these gladiator things. It looked very gimmicky. So I held off doing it for the first year. Then finally, now I, I had done a Tough Mudder. I had done some of the longer races and I was really, really hooked. So I was like, all right, let me try this Spartan race, see what it's all about. And oh boy, did I find out what it was all about. A Spartan race was on another level Yeah. than some of these other ones. Like they would have... Like with these other races, they would have different ways for you to get through each obstacle. So it, it catered to everyone. Whereas Spartan back then, they've softened their stance now. But back then, they literally tried to break you. It's <laughs> like yeah. that was their goal. It it said it on on the um when you pick up your packet. Yeah, it says it right on there. Spartan will try to break you. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh man, I'd be like, hey, not today, my friend. Uh, I'm coming at you, kind of thing. You know, like that's a challenge right there. <laughs> yeah, 
Let me tell you, it humbles you, though, because I had done the Warrior Dash, I want to say, a couple weeks prior, and mm. I flew right through that course. So I did go into Spartan yeah. a little bit on the cocky side. And so I was like, you know, what? I'm going to crush this course. And I took off. How did that work out? Oh, oh my God. By mile one and a half, <laughs> it felt like my lung was hanging out of my mouth. It's like I started way too hard. The obstacle, like every mm. obstacle is just intense. And like I was not prepared to expend that much energy. And so I definitely took a huge dose of humble pie. But that race started to change how I trained my clients because I was like, I have to go back to the drawing board and I got to do better. And so now the next year, Spartan added different distances where they added an ultra beast is what it was called. Then it's just called the ultra now. But then they had a super Mm. and a beast. So there's a 5K, a 10K, a 21K, and a 50K. So I did the super, the 10K, and it, it was a little longer back back then. They're pretty standard now. And that one, it it sucked, but it was manageable. And then Spartan had some genius about putting pie pieces when you finish each race. And you want to connect the pie pieces. Oh, so like in a medal, right. uh, you've got to yes. kind of build your pie by finishing all? Yeah, yeah it's called... It's yeah, it's called the mm. trifecta. So I had I had done the sprint, the 5K. I had done the super. So I was like, damn, I got to do the third one. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let me do the beast. Right? And so now the beast is a 21K. And now that year, it was 18 miles because it was the Spartan World Championship. And it was in Killington, Vermont. And when I tell you, that was like the hardest thing I had ever done until I, until I did the ultra. Like, it was awful. And at that moment... I said, I have no desire whatsoever to do an Ultra Beast. (laughs) None. Like, if the Beast is that hard, because an Ultra is essentially two laps of the Beast with an additional hellacious four miles. So I was like, that is absolutely nowhere in my radar. (laughs) Do I want to do this? So, So anyway, so now we fast forward a few years. And I have a lot of races under my belt. I built a pretty big obstacle racing team. And we had a couple people talking about doing the ultra. And I was like, uh, <laughs> all right. So I went out and I bought a treadmill that inclines to 40 degrees because my first stab at it, it didn't go well. <laughs> right? So, but I thought I trained well, like I trained hard for this race and we got there. I finished the first lap and I finished the four miles. But my knees were just shot because, like, I, I've had three knee surgeries. So my, my knees were just shot after that first lap. And I was like, you know what? I got to hang it up. And so I took my only DNF, did, did not finish, yep. of all the races I've done. I've done 178. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot of racing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I train people. So as people do the race, I mean, granted, I love doing the races. Don't get me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I absolutely love doing them. But as people train for the races and they want to do them, like, I can't coach them and then not be there. Yeah. <laughs> right. And not be there with them. So you're training people specifically for the Spartan races or are you are you personal training outside of that? Do the two overlap? Well, the way I, I explain it to people, what we do in class, that's like college coursework. The Spartan races, that's the exam. Right, so that lets us know how fit we actually are, mm. and then based on people's performances, I can tweak the workouts to to get them strong wherever their weaknesses may lie. Right, so so getting back to that first ultra that I didn't do. So when you do the Spartan Ultra, everyone wears a purple penny because with the ultras, there's time cutoffs. Yeah, and so if you're coming through, especially on lap two. If you're coming through, the non-ultras have to move out of your way and let you go, right? So I hung that purple penny up on the wall because I said it was my first L in a race ever. And I found the next one. I said, and originally I was going to go down to Dallas, but I ended up going down to South Carolina and I trained. So this was in April and the one in North Carolina was in November. I said, so I need to hit as many mountains as i can hit i'm gonna do as many races as i can get like and i am going to make it through this ultra it was like my mission and so we fast forward a few months i'm logging all these miles and then we hit killington again Mm -hmm. and so now i get to killington 
So now I have one one kidney. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with rhabdo. Is oh, yeah. Rhabdomyolysis. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think in 2015, I got it and didn't realize I had it. Like my, my I think it was my left leg just like swelled up big time. And I just thought it was because, you know, the race sucked. And, you know, that's how <laughs> oh, my body responded to it. Happens, like I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't know rhabdo was a thing. And so, so th- this year in 2017, stupid me, I came off of a knee surgery and I did Killington without properly training and I got, got rhabdo. And this time I went to the hospital cause like I, I didn't feel right. So I went to the hospital and that was how I learned about it. Right. So, so now in 2018, I'm doing all this training, doing all the races and here we hit Killington again because I couldn't let that last one be how the story ended yeah for sure everyone's like yeah you did kill him but you ended up in the hospital <laughs> i was like you know what I was, i'm gonna train even harder and i'm gonna do this and so i trained i did it i felt good and then went to the hospital the next day had rhabdo again spent four oh. days in the hospital oh my gosh <laughs> right? so now the ultra was so th- this was in september of 2018 the ultra was in november and so I remember going to to going to see my doctor and he and he got like teary eyed. He was like pleading with me to not do this ultra. He's like, you just did this Killington race, which was 15 miles and you landed in the hospital. Yeah. He's like, and yeah. you're going to try to go do 30. Yeah. He's like, don't do it. He's like, you, you like you have five kids. He's like, think about your family. Think about about your clients. He's like, think about about your parents. He's he's like, think about all of that stuff. And I said, with all due respect, I'm gonna find someone who has one kidney, and I'm gonna find out how they train. <laughs> and, and and I did that. Oh, so gosh. on Facebook, so on Facebook, there, there's a book that's mm-hmm. dedicated um not not a book there's a page that's dedicated to Spartan ultra racing right. and so i posted in this group who here has completed an ultra with one kidney and i actually got six responses get away and so we we started inboxing each other i'm like yeah. how do you balance your, your your electrolytes you know how do you fuel b- before like do you do you do pedialyte or do you do whatever and i just picked their brains and I applied what they did and I went back to my training. Like every weekend I was just either on my, my treadmill on the 40 degree incline, or I was on a mountain somewhere. I'm like, this is happening. And everyone closest to me was trying to talk me out of this, but you know, I'm a competitor. Like I've always been a competitor and taking that loss in April hurt my soul. Mm. So it's like, I went to my doctor. I said, I have to do this. I was like, not everybody gets it, but I have to do this. Like, it, it wasn't even about, you know, getting a certain time or place in. Like, I just need to cross the finish line and get that buckle. I said, because now being a storyteller, that completes the comeback. It's like, yeah. I can't let this race defeat me. Let Killington land me in the hospital and, <laughs> and not finish the story. Right. And yeah, so now the Spartan Ultra, it's 30 miles. It's like 66 obstacles, I believe. And and as I said earlier, the Spartan obstacles, they test you. You're carrying heavy buckets up and down hills, sandbag carries. You got walls. You got monkey bars that spin. It's like almost everything tests your physical strength and endurance. Were you about to say something? No, no. I was just kind oh. of thinking oh, like okay. that's that's really insane. And are they are – they... Are those obstacles spaced out along the way or do they kind of block three or four together and then you run to the next section and you, there's three or four more? How, how does it set up? So typically in the spectator areas, they try to put more in mm. there because people people pay for spectator tickets. So in those areas, but typically they're they're spaced out a decent, a decent amount, but th- there will be little pockets where you hit a couple things in, in succession. So you can give the spectators things to things to watch. Yeah. But, but yeah, but when, when you do this, like I said earlier, it really is, it's like that second lap is all survival, right? <laughs> so I went with two, with two of my gym clients and I told them, I was like, guys, keep in mind, I've had three knee surgeries. <laughs> I said, so 
Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. At that time, I had two. I had the third one in 2019. So, like, I've had two knee surgeries. I said, so if my knees start talking, because I'm a lot taller than they are, and I have a longer stride than, than they have. Mm. So I said, I'm going to have to pull pull away. I said, because I got to make sure, like, I'm not failing another ultra. It's not happening. I said, so if I have to leave you you to finish, then so be it. <laughs> you know, like, wow. it, it is what it is. I'm going, yeah. So, so we get at now getting down there. This is a whole story in itself because the day before we were supposed to fly down, we had a snowstorm. So that backed up all of the planes. Right? So we we get to the airport here in Rhode Island. At, I think we got there at like 420 a.m. If I remember correctly, it's supposed to be a 6 a.m. flight. Yeah. And they're like, all the flights have been canceled. And we're all looking at each other like, What? And they're like, yeah, we can get you down down there tomorrow. We're like, we're uh, racing in the morning. Yeah, I'm work. like, we can't get down there tomorrow. Like, the race starts. We have to be there for 6 a.m. And so, long story short, we, we ended up getting down there, but it took us 20 hours. Oh, my gosh. So, we got to Greenville, South Carolina, just before 2 a.m. And we had to be up at 4 a.m. to get ready, get packed, and drive to the venue. So now we're about to run this ultra on two hours of sleep. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Now you're talking my language right here. Yeah. (laughs) And to make it even better, it was 31 degrees at the start. (laughs) So so we get down there. It is ice cold. So you have to dress appropriately. The high for the day was 67, I believe. So you you had to have multiple yeah. stuff in in your bag so so we get down there like there's ice and ice and patches so you gotta watch your footing as you're, you're you're trying trying to run and go up and down the hills it was like really a tale of two laps and so what we're going through and all is well on lap one i think we did lap one in just over five hours i want to say and because with the obstacles and the mud and the water like it slows everything down like, like you can't compare it to a traditional marathon because you know, like an average, an average person runs a marathon in about five hours. Like an average person, like the average person does a Spartan beast by itself in in about seven to eight hours. You know, so just from a time yeah. perspective, big so, difference. So you can get get the mm-hmm. difference. So we did the first lap in five hours, and for the second lap, that's where stuff starts getting real. Because now your glycogen stores oh, yeah. are dropping. You know, you're trying to manage the electrolytes. Because now the sun is up, it's warm, and, you know, you're sweating more. Totally different game. Yeah, yeah. It was totally – things that were frozen were now muddy. <laughs> There's a picture. Uh, if I had it handy, I'd, I'd put it up up to uh, to my camera. There's a picture of myself and one of my teammates waist deep in, in a mud pit that was frozen over on the first lap. Oh. <laughs> so we didn't even know it was there. We're like, where the hell did this come from? <laughs> like that, like, holy hell. Yeah, like, oh, man. So so now everything that was frozen is now muddy. And so that just added another dimension to, to getting through it. Because now you're, you're lifting up out of the mud. Oh. The hip flexors are talking to you. You know, you get a rock in, in your shoe. You bend down to take the rock out and your hamstring locks. Yeah. Right? Mud is so not now from my doing friend. all the obstacles. Yeah. Yeah, your forearms are burning. Your hands are starting to hurt. And I remember it was at mile 17. I have twin boys. And one of, one of them, he had he was having an appendectomy. So he was in the hospital. It's like, I, I almost didn't go to the race. But at the same token, I was like, what am I really going to do for him if I stay here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, he's in the hospital. He's under the doctor's care. I was like, I trained for this race. I said, let, let me just go. But I needed a pick-me-up. So this was at mile 17. Legs were burning. I had left my my teammates at this point. And so now it's just head games. And I'm like, do I really need that buckle? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like, I was like, I could just leave right now and I could keep my, my, my head up high. But deep down, I definitely couldn't do that. So I called my son and I'm like, hey, buddy, how's it going? And uh, he's like, "Hey, Dad, how are you?" I was like, huh, "I'm in hell right now." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, I just need to hear to hear your voice. Like, tell me something good." And he he's like, "You got this. You can do it." Wait, so you called him from from the course while you're doing your you're just you're like, "Hey, I'm just gonna call right right here from the course." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had my phone on me. I was going through because my my legs were getting heavy, but just but just hearing that little bit of his voice was enough to be like, you know what. 
you focused on mile 30. I said, let's just focus on mile 17. Then, then I got to 18. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to 19. Let's get to 20. I just kept taking it mile by mile. But every mile, like everything just felt worse. Like, and I know I'm not selling this as a thing, as a, as like a fun, great experience. <laughs> yeah. But when, but when you cross the finish line, that is an absolutely amazing feeling yeah no it it was like i almost felt i almost got got emotional because it's like you literally go through the depths of hell (laughs) when you're in this race like the spartan ultras i I don't think any of them have a finish rate above 50 percent. like i know the one in killington like people actually run killington twice you know and i think that one's like a 20 percent finish rate i want to say so when you cross that finish line the sense of accomplishment is absolutely amazing. And I actually, I actually committed to doing one in 2024 with what, with uh, one of my gym clients. I, Cause I told myself I was going to be one, one and done, you know, cause it really is a suffer fest. Yeah, it really is. But I tell people, you know what, just try at least one. Cause you are really going to find out who you are. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of, I mean, that's where I feel like there's a lot of crossover here because certainly on the ultra running side, it's a very similar story, right? It's all about the yes. perseverance the and, and the physical challenge that's ahead of you. And you do go through just hell, really, the further you go. But uh, yeah, as you get close to the finish and then you cross that finish line, it's an incredible feeling. And and I know when I started doing these super long runs and, and you've kind of touched on it a little bit there. Nobody, I mean, you can train all day for the physical side of things and you can get really good at the physical, but what nobody told me when I first kicked off doing like really long running was that it is a complete emotional roller coaster out there. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. like you just, I mean, there's no, it, it comes when it comes, right? So one minute you're, tr- you know, tootling along doing fine. And then suddenly you you hit this huge low patch. And, you know, much like you, you're calling your son, like we're just looking for some help somewhere to, to get out of this, to get out of this low patch. But, but yes. um, yeah, the emotional side of doing these, these events, whether it's the Spartan or, or the, the ultra running, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic learning tool for yourself, like self-coping, the, the positivity and the perseverance you need to do and the mm-hmm. self-belief you have to uh, cultivate yes. within yourself to get to that finish, which is why I think you know you talk about it's a massive accomplishment when you get to the finish of these things, and it is because yes. you you got to cultivate that self belief to get there. So yeah, really interesting yes. the similarities be- between between the two. Absolutely. See, and you touched on it, like, and why I do so many of these things. Like, yes, I have my own personal joy, but being a fitness coach. Is so many people doubt themselves. Like you just touched on self-belief. And that's why I push people to do these things because they're a lot stronger than they think they are. People be like, oh, I yeah. can't do monkey bars. I'm like, how do you know? Yeah. <laughs> how do you know you can't? You know, like I had, we just did the race up at Fenway Park in Boston back in November. And I had one of the, one of the guys, he, he was like, oh, yo, I'm just going to walk around all the obstacles. I'm like, no, you are not. I'm like, you, cause like he's a, he's a bit, he's a bigger dude. So mm-hmm. he's thinking like all the hanging stuff. No, Never he would. did the monkey bars. Yeah. He did the rings. Wow. He did the walls. Like he did, he did all of that stuff. And I was, and he was trying to downplay. I was like, you had a great day. I was like, be proud of yourself. Yeah. Like, you had an amazing day. And this other woman, Liz. Same thing with, with, with her, like, cause the monkey bars in Spartan, like they're really thick. Mm-hmm. And, and again, she's like, I'm worried about the monkey bars. Like I was watching YouTube videos and I was like, listen, when we get there, you're going to take it rung by rung and you're going to get across these things. And she got across it. She lit up like a Christmas tree. You know, it's like, that's, that's the other joy of it is, is me watching people that I train for these things and then watching them come right into their confidence. Like that's such, it's such a rush. Yeah. That, and I love that approach and it's very relevant in, in the ultra running world as well. That whole sort of compartmentalized approach whereby, I mean, if I showed up at the start line of a 200 mile race and thought, Oh, I've got 200 miles to go. I would never, I may not even make the start, you know, Uh, it's just too much. (laughs) It's too overwhelming, (laughs) but uh, there's a saying, you know, just run the mile you're in, just focus on what you're doing right now and how do you get to the end of that particular mile and then worry about the next one and the next one and just compartmentalize 
what you're doing in order to get the small gains. And over time, the small gains sort of lead you to this amazing accomplish, uh, accomplishment at, at, at the finish. So, yeah, I, I love that. Awesome. Yeah, it, great life lessons. Yeah, I say the same, the same exact that thing. I say, guys, like we're not doing a 13-mile race. So we're doing 13 one-mile one races. Yeah. That's all we're doing. We're taking it mile to mile. Yeah. That's it. Like, don't worry about the end. Don't worry about all that other stuff. Let's just get to the next one. Let's get to the next one. And then we're going to keep duplicating that until we get to the finish line. Well, and I think that, that <laughs> you know, back to the belief, the self-belief conversation, which, you know, for me, that's one of the reasons I, I chose to do these long runs because I suffer a little mm-hmm. bit in, in that respect from the confidence and, and belief aspect for a bunch of reasons in, in my past. But yeah, but yeah, I think when you break it down to such small, like just focus on this one thing and you get a win and then you start, it turns that corner. You start to think, oh, I can do that. And then maybe I can yes. do the next one. And suddenly I've done two where I couldn't, th- I didn't think I could do any yep, of, of either obstacles or miles or whatever it is you're doing really. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think just breaking it down into the small components and then focusing on just that component really it, it drives that self-belief, but it's also a great distraction because it takes away all the other stuff that's going on. All you've got to do is focus on this one thing, whether it's get across these first couple of couple of rungs of the monkey bar or whether it's complete the first mile of your 200 mile race that you're starting it yes. doesn't matter it's just hey what do i have to do put the blinkers on and and go for it and then yes. get there and then reassess and go from there and and i love it i think that you know that whole aspect of drive the self-belief and and bring some some confidence to yourself um i think yes. that's a lot of re- for me at least that's a lot of why i do these things uh, for sure. A- absolutely. See, and, and I want to expand on that, on what, what you just said, because in, in my gym, working on the more difficult things like push-ups, like a, a lot of w- women say that, you know, they want to do, you know, a proper push-up or doing pull-ups, things of that nature, is it's it's about the starting point. Like people have to get comfortable with the starting point. So if I bring you over to, to the pull-up bar, where's the camera? And if all you can pull is there, then that's your that's, starting point. That's what you do. That's, yeah, that's, do that. Yeah, that's not a failure. Like we're going to build upon that and then you're going to get higher and then you're going to get higher. And it's the same thing what I tell people with, with the obstacle races. It's not like this is the only race that's out there. So to your point, if you're going across the monkey bars and if you make it to rung three, you didn't fail. You made it to rung three. All right. Next yeah. race, we'll try to get you to four. Next race, we'll get you to five. You know, or, or that next race, you might make it all the way across. Who knows? But we got to stop putting the limitations on ourselves. Like when I failed that first ultra, I could have just been like, nope, ultras aren't for yep, me. Done. Mm-hmm. No, say like I went to a different place and I trained harder. I defied my doctor. <laughs> I defied my parents. Even your I defied my coworkers. Yeah, and people closest to me were like, Rob, don't do this. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like, you're risking your health. You're risking your life. And I'm like, and it's that important to me. Finishing that, like, when I look at that buckle, like, every one of, every one of my medals, everyone tells a story. Like I can pull it up and go right back to that race and talk about what I went through. So, so uh, like a lot of people that don't do it, they don't get it. Yeah. Like they just don't like, I don't understand why you put yourself through that. Cause some of them, I come back with nothing good to say. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's like, that was one absolute suffer fest. It was freezing cold. My feet were numb. My hands ripped open (laughs) and people are like, why do you do it? Yeah. What are you doing? It's it's such a rush. Like I like the challenge of it and the the harder the elements, the, the better. The better. It's yeah. like, I don't want a flat, simple course. Give me the hills. Give me the mountains. You know, I want all of the smoke w- when it comes to that. Like, if I'm going to travel for it and pay for it and do all this other stuff for it and have to buy gear for it and camel packs and all this stuff, like, I want the best that they have to offer. And I found, even though, I, you know, it's time for Spartan to up to give us some new obstacles, but they're they're the best in, in the business outside of the OCR World Championships. But they moved out out to California. Hmm. It, it was it was in New England in Vermont. I got to do it two two years ago before they moved. That one had some killer obstacles. But I'm not going to go all the way to California just just to race. Yeah, that's a long way to race from Rhode Island for sure. I'm sure they've got other ones. <laughs> yes. you. But I love I love the uh, the the aspect of hey, you know, 
and uh, as I relate it to, to the ultra running side of things, I had a great friend who this summer was trying the triple crown of 200. So you run three 200 okay. milers across the summer with wow. a few weeks in between each. Now, she ultimately didn't finish any of them. But what we were talking about was that is not a failure. Every one of those races, she learned something about herself. She learned something about how to race in mountains and how to race at massive yes. elevation, you know, well well over you know, 10,000 feet and, and what that means for her and things that she sort of learned from that she could incorporate for the next one. And then at the second one, she got a little better. And the third one, she got really close to the finish. But yeah, just just that whole sort of shift of 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 perspective to say, I didn't really... I di- okay, I DNF'd, I didn't finish, I didn't get the medal, but I learned so much about myself. And the person that started at the at the start line of that very first one was totally different to the person that didn't quite make it to the finish line of the last one. Two totally different people. And she has grown and, and progressed as a person from from yes. start point to finish point. So I don't see them as failures. I, I really do see... DNFs a lot of time uh, as um, you know, just an opportunity to learn. You you yes. always learn something, and I would argue to some degree, if you're successful, you learned that for those specific conditions for that day, you did the right thing. But those things that you did then may not work if you did the race again tomorrow or or next week, or you go to the next race and you try to apply those same things, it may not work. So it's this kind of Rubik's cube to show my age of of. Uh, of a challenge to figure out every time you show up to a race based on the conditions and uh, the weather conditions and your condition and what the race is putting in front of you on that given day and the the temperature, the mud and all the other stuff that makes every one of these events different from the previous one. And you got to figure that out. And I love that challenge. I love putting myself there and saying, right, you got to think on your feet now because you tried to do this last time and it worked, but this time it's not working. So now I've got to think again how am I going to figure this out? Like, what am I going to do? How do I work myself around this problem? How do I figure it out? So the the whole DNF thing, I I love DNFs because it tells you so much about yourself and it tells you what you didn't get right. And and maybe in some cases it can give you, um, you know, a push to go get it right. As you were mentioning last time, I got to finish this race, right? I got to go back and finish this. Yeah, that took my training to a whole nother level, yeah. not finishing that, that race. Like I said, like it, it hurt my soul, you know, to actually say I quit. And that's pretty much what what you do when you DNF. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like I quit. And it's like they, they cut they cut my band off oh. and I was like, I'm not going back I'm not going back out. Yeah. They're, they're like, Oh, come come on, you can push I'm like you don't understand, like my knees are shot. Like there's <laughs> no way I can get through that again. Like there's no way. Like on a mountain, so I had to find one that was a little flatter. So it it was still hilly, but I mean, thirty miles, thirty miles. You know? yeah. So so I was like, yeah. all right. So so the mountain one, I'm not gonna do that one. Like I can do up to the beast on on mountains, but like to go beyond that, like my my knees just can't take that anymore. But you know, back to what to what you were saying about learning from it. Like I coach track and field, and I was just with my athletes earlier today, and I said that. To them, I'm like, you, I'm like, you're not gonna hit a PR every single meet. You're not going to. I said, so the meets that you don't perform well, we have to learn from them. You don't let them demoralize you. You you learn from you learn from them. You know, almost everybody has camera phones now. I'm like, mm-hmm. have have whoever's here here with you record your performance, and we go back and we watch. Oh, you weren't driving your arms enough. You were yeah. too extended here. You didn't get enough explosion off the long jump board, and and you just take that info. And you learn it. Like we hear NFL coaches talk about that all the time. Time to get back back in and watch the film. You know, basketball players get in and watch the film. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like, yeah, losing sucks, but you can't let let it define you. And as quickly as you move on from it, because I told you I got back home, I took that penny, it went right on my wall, and I put the Dallas Ultra date with, with a countdown mm. on my wall. Every morning I got up, check. Check. As I said I ended up switching to, to South Carolina, but 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 still, but right the second I got back and I looked at that every single day. So like when I turned on my light, it was in my line of sight. And nice. I was like, I will not feel that again. Like it's not happening. I love that. And and you mentioned uh, to some degree too the uh, uh, just the 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 gear 
and the training. Mm-hmm. So what, what does your training look like for these? Because it seems like there's a lot of strength work you might need that I guess folks in the ultra world probably aren't doing. Oh, oh well, we should, we should be doing some, but we probably aren't doing the same amount as, uh, as you guys are doing. And, and I just, it seems like, and you can tell me right or wrong, but do you do a lot of sort of technique based training to get across things like the monkey bars or where you're carrying the, you know, the, is it the sandbags on yes. your shoulder? And, and, you know, is there a technique that, that works best for that? Do you have to train specifically for that? Or are you just doing strength work? Like how, how does the training work for these events? So there are a lot of obstacle gyms. So some of the, some of the things I have, like we have a six foot wall, we have two climbing ropes, we have monkey bars, you know, like, and, and a lot of things we can simulate. Like, we have the heavy buckets in our gym. We have sleds. We have sandbags. You know, so a lot of the things we can duplicate. My gym is actually up on a hill, too. So we can utilize the the driveway up, like, you know, because yeah. it's on an incline. And then there's another incline over on this, on this side. So, so we get a lot of practice where we are. But on Sundays, starting tomorrow... We're gonna go out and we'll and uh we're, we're gonna hike because there are some places that are pretty hilly around here, mm. and some people wear weighted vests oh, and yeah. we just go out and we just hit the hills. It's like so with with the hill stuff, you definitely gotta be intentional. Like you can't roll up to a mountain and unless unless you like squat and lunge four <laughs> days a week. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, the mountain itself will break will break you down. Like that's an obstacle. In itself, because sometimes, usually in the longer races, they have you going base to summit at least three times throughout throughout a beast, and with, with a lot of up and down in between. Is that just is that just running up there, or are you carrying stuff as you're going? There, there's there's both. I mean, depending okay. on the mountain, there's not a lot of running going up. So you you try to make up for it on the down yeah. in the straightaways, but usually going up, you want to find what what we call a power stride. So it's mm. like it's a little bit above a walk, but it's yeah. not quite a jog. Yeah, well, yeah. I think that's called a power hike in this world, but it's the same yes. thing. It's just sort of walking with intent. Uh, you know, more, yes. more than just <laughs> yep. casual. You know, you're you're putting something into the walk. Yeah, yeah, like the uphill, that's my strong point. Because, like, be, again, because of all, all the knee surgeries, it's like I, I ration my running. So mm. it's like I'll run maybe maybe a half a mile, then like I'll power stride the next quarter mile, run a little, stride a little. But I catch a lot of people going uphill because I do, I do a lot of hill work. Yeah. And so so that's that's my strong point. And then go, going down, same thing. I can make up make up some ground some ground going down. But um, I have a long stride, but but it's it, it's it's fun, it's fun. But the other part of this too, like I did I did a race, I don't remember where I was, and I was actually going solo. So I was like, you know what? Let me see how how fast I can do this. Because when I go with my clients, I don't really worry about my own personal time. But when I go solo, I try to push the envelope a little. And so I'm coming down on the home stretch. There was only three obstacles left. One of them was the rope climb. And so as I get there, I see a woman kind of having an internal battle with herself at this rope climb. And so I zip up, I ring the bell, I come back down, and now I can hear that she's like sobbing. And so I had to shut off competitor mode, and I turned on coach mode. And so I was like, what's going on? And she's like, I can't do this. And she's all teary-eyed. And I was like, all right, let me walk you through this. And she's like, I've never been able to do this. I was like, look at me. I said, until today. Mm-hmm. All right. I said, today is the day. And so I showed her how to lock in and she starts going up. She starts going. She got about halfway. She's like, I can't. I'm like, yes, you can. I'm like, if if, if it already hurts, at least get the reward. Yeah. Get the reward from hurting. Might as well. Right? It's like, don't don't hurt for <laughs> nothing. Hurt either way. I was like, so. keep going. Yeah. Yep. So I was like, extend your legs. Now reach. Like slide, extend, reach, slide. She rang the bell. She comes down full-blown tears and she's like can i hug you i was like of (laughs) course you can and so i give her a hug and but but like moments like that watching people find their strength you know like that's the other thing like as i bring people to these races and they're like i can't get over that big wall i'm like how do you know like when we get there i'll show you how and so we get there and just watching them do it and just watching the reactions you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that gives me a dopamine hit or what, but I absolutely love those moments. And so, 
sacrificing my own personal time to help her have that moment meant everything to me. And I guarantee she'll never forget that moment for her. Yeah, I have a similar moment from the other side of that story. I was the lady in my very first 50K that I ran. Um, You know, I I, a mile out from the finish, I'd had enough. It was an awful day for me and I was sunburnt and I just I'd reached a limit and I sat down on the trail and a lady ran by me and was like, what what are you doing sitting down? Did you finish? And I said, no, I've just had enough. I can't do this Mm -hmm. anymore. And so she turned to me and I thought she was a bit sort of at the time I was like, oh, are you talking to me like this? She said, you're not done. You're done when you get the finish. The finish is a mile away. You can walk to the finish sitting there. You aren't finished. So get up and walk to the finish. And I was like, oh, you know, like, who are you to yell at me? You know, but I was like, well, I don't want her to yell at me anymore. So I got up and I literally walked to the finish. But to your point, I, I felt really bad until I came around the bend and she had run ahead of me. And she had gathered everybody at the finish line and lined them up along the finishing chute. That's awesome. Uh, and they all kind of, when I came around the corner and I couldn't see them in advance, I came around the corner and they were all clapping, cheering, like, come on, get, you know, yeah. you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And I mean, much like the lady, I was, I was like, man, uh, too much. I mean, I cried going through the finish line of, of that because yeah. a mile earlier I was done. I'd had enough, you know, and I, I, it was awful. And then here I am a mile later and I was just, this is unbelievable. The fact that all these strangers would come together to sort of help me get to the finish and cheer me through. And, and this one person ran ahead and I was like, I didn't know this lady and she didn't know me. And, but <laughs> you know, much like she, she put on her coach hat and, and she yes. told me, yeah, you know, you're, you're not done here. You can get to the finish. Even if you have to walk, you can get there. And, and so the yeah. emotional reward of finishing that, uh, for me, was fantastic and really clued me into the you know, okay. I got to go do another one of these. This is amazing. And then, by the way, the the group, the trail runner community itself, is just mm-hmm. an incredible, a warm, welcoming community of people who are super positive, and everybody yes. wants you to succeed. Whether you come in last or you come in first, it doesn't matter. Which is what I love about this community. It's just yes. a, a group of people all pulling for each other and trying as hard as possible to get you across the line or to get you to reach your goal, whatever that, whatever it is, Absolutely. you know, is, is your goal. So yeah, I was, I was that lady. So I definitely can relate from, from that side of things for sure. Yes. One of my most humbling moments actually came in my first Tough mutter, because like, no, things were still kind of new. So this was in 2012. Like I started it in 2011. So this was maybe my fifth or sixth race, I want to say. And it was at Gunstock Mountain in New Hampshire. So I remember going to YouTube. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great (laughs) So I remember... Yep. So I remember going to to YouTube and I found videos of the obstacles. I didn't think about Gunstock Mountain. (laughs) There's a second word. So (laughs) So we didn't do any hill work like we were working grip strength we were working upper body strength working on pulling and doing muscle ups you know to to get up over Mm. the walls and we were working everything for the obstacles didn't know about camel packs at the time um didn't really know about fueling for endurance endurance events like i I didn't know about any of that stuff it was 96 degrees this was in august i believe of 2012 it was 96 degrees we didn't fuel right. We didn't carb load. We like, all we had for for breakfast that morning was continental breakfast at the hotel. <laughs> so we were so mm. underprepared, and this race was brutal. And it was mainly because of the heat and the mountain. Yeah. And then the lack of nutrients. Like I said, you know, we didn't have backpacks or anything, and so we didn't know about salt tabs or mustard packets. We didn't know about any of that stuff, and. It was rough. And I, I remember what towards the end, now it was myself and I think there were 10 other people, 10 or 11 other people. And so we're, we're coming down the mountain. We get, we're in the festival area. We can hear the music. We can smell the turkey legs. We're all thinking we're done. And then as we keep moving forward, I see people turning left. And I was like, the finish line is right. <laughs> like, oh. why are we going left? Right. And we really couldn't see till we round the corner and it was a full base to summit. And Ooh. I had, 
I actually had a mini meltdown. Yeah. And I was like, I can't effing do it. I'm like, this is not happening. And like, I, I lost it for a second. Cause again, having the one kidney being dehydrated Ooh, can be gosh. very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. It can That's be not, very, very bad. So I knew I needed water. Mm. And one of, you know, one of my clients comes over and he's like, Rob, he's like, you're the leader. He's like, we can't lose you. He's like, yeah. we need you to get through this. And I was like, I was like, I really need water though. <laughs> and then he's, he's, he's like, we, we got to finish this. I'm like, all right, all right, let's, let's go. And, you know, I did it and I finished it. And, but just yet yeah, in that moment, same thing, like you just shared, I needed that pick me up because mentally I was checked. I was like, uh-uh. I was like, I, I can't do this. And it was like, I need food. I need water. It's like, this could be damaging to my health here. Yeah. And, but yeah, I got, I got through it. And sometimes being on the giving end of those moments, obviously on the receiving end, that means you're suffering, but on the giving end of those moments, that is more important than, than your time. Oh yeah. You know, to say, oh, I did that race in three hours and 20, 20 minutes. But to say, I stopped and I helped this woman who was in her or man that, that was in their head, you know, because usually it's the, the shorter, the shorter women that struggle with some of the taller obstacles and just to be there and to, to give them that boost when they would otherwise walk around it or just show them a technique where they can get up there themselves. It's like that those moments are more important than saying, oh, I did the race in two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, totally. And back to that sort of sense of community and sense of belonging and, and the the everybody helping each other. I had a race mm. in November of last year. I was running along and I came upon a guy and his the batteries in his headlight had run out and it was the middle of the mm. night. And he was having a really hard time. I mean, it was it was well below freezing, too. And so he was having a really hard time and he couldn't see. And I mean, I, did, I literally did nothing but say, hey, you know, I've got batteries. Let me help you change out. Here's some extra batteries you can start seeing. I mean, it wasn't I didn't do a whole lot. I mean, it wasn't a mind blowing sort of a, a assist that I'm that I'm like some uh, worldly wise information I'm imparting. But I, I, I mean, we literally so I took the because his hands were kind of cold. So I, I took the uh, headlamp and changed the batteries out, put new batteries in. He could see where he was going and give him, you know, we walked a bit together and we asked how he was doing and, and kind of got him moving again. And then, you know, I kind of jogged ahead and, and he came behind and we, we kind of went to the aid station. But I mean, it was such a small thing. But since then, he and I, I mean, he eventually uh, DNF'd further down but since then, he and I have become great friends, and we we talk about this moment, and it's just the, it's the small things. Like I would never have like, if I had just run past the guy and just said, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, uh, rather than say, oh, "Do you need help?" It's that it's that whole aspect of, "Do you need help?" If I have something I can do to or provide to you that will help you get out of whatever situation you're in, in the middle of this event, that's that's why I love these particularly the ultra stuff, because it's so non-competitive at the non-elite level. Everybody yes. is just trying to help each other. And I think that's exactly. how these great sort of friendships are formed, because really it's shared trauma. Everybody is going through a shared trauma. <laughs> exactly. Uh, everybody's doing it their own little variety of that, but it's truly mm. a, a shared trauma. And if you've ever, I mean, we have hurricanes here in, in Houston where we live in a uh, we live in a community. Most of the time, you don't really bump into or talk to your neighbors. You might say hello here or there, but you have a hurricane come through and everybody loses power. Suddenly, everybody is out in the yard. Everybody is going through this shared mm. trauma, and people are yeah. talking to each other. And you you know you pe meeting people you've never met because you're all sharing this common sort of heartbreak uh, in, in a way. So. Yeah, and I think too, just it's a great way of looking at. Yeah, it. it's it really is, and and life is all about convenience these days, right? Where you can you've got an app, you can order food on your phone, and it gets delivered to your door. Mm. And so for me, it's like, where is the challenge in life? Where is the challenge in that? I don't have to exactly. do anything. I could sit on my butt all day. I could work from home. I can order my food, and it gets delivered to me. What am I doing to challenge myself as a person? And so here, I'm going to set a goal of I want to run 100 miles. And that seems utterly ridiculous. And back to your point earlier, if I was to 
walk out to somebody and say, hey, you, you can run 100 miles. They go, oh, pff, no way. But I would say, if I said, you know, can you walk five miles? They might say, oh, yeah, maybe. I say, okay, well, if you can walk five miles and then repeat, 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 and you can get there. But I just think mm. life is way too convenient these days. And I love things like, so you know, the, the Spartan uh, ultras that, that you're talking, well, really all the Spartan races with the, mm-hmm. putting obstacles and challenges ahead of you where you have to grow and you have to have belief. And you have to face the challenge and figure out a way around it to develop yourself. I think that's missing in society for me. And I love the fact that all these people that do these things are putting them deliberately putting themselves in harm's way or deliberately putting these challenges in front of them to learn. So whether you ultimately accomplish it or you you don't accomplish it this go, but you come back, like you were saying earlier, and and you, you go again, right? And you learn. I yeah. love people like that. I really think that's, and that's really why the podcast is called Choose to Enjoy. I mean, people are out mm-hmm. there, they, they, we pay for this stuff, right? You, you pay for the misery. Uh, but yes, but see, I think I plugged you, I plugged you to my team earlier too. Yeah. I said, you know, one o'clock, I said, I'm, I'm g- going to be speaking on, on a podcast. I said, it's called Choose to Endure. I said, I said, what stands out about that title? Yeah. I said, choose. 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 I said we are all gonna endure. Yeah. Right. Like, like life's gonna throw us all curveballs, but you choose how you respond to those curveballs. Yeah. And back back to what you were saying about making friends. Yeah. Like I've I've met so many people on the courses. I got this guy Joe out in Indiana, uh, Jessica in Tennessee, another Jessica down in Florida. Like just all over and i just meet them on the course yeah just by chance this uh girl laura in illinois like with with laura we were doing the indiana spartan beast and we happened to get to an obstacle at mile two and she was in a lane over from me and we came out right around the same time and i hit the bell a split second before her and i said just so you know we were racing (laughs) <laughs> right, and she's like, "Oh, really?" Yeah. Right, and so we ended up just playing leapfrog the rest of the time because she because she was a runner. I remember I said my my specialty is the hills, mm. so like on all the straightaways, she would take off, and I would catch her on every incline. Yeah, so, yeah. so we we leapfrogged each other the entire way, and we became friends. Like the next time I went out to Indiana, I actually ran with her gym team. <laughs> you know, the, oh. the next time out there, it's like we got that close. Yeah, yeah. And then with the other Jessica. I was running late because I, I screwed up and um, I messed up the rental car. So I flew into Nashville and the race was an hour and a half up in Clarksville near the Kentucky border. And so I ended up having to take an Uber up there because I screwed up with the rental car. And so I Ubered up there and like I'm, I'm texting Spartan on Messenger saying because like the last wave was to start at 12. Like I'm not going to get there until like maybe 12 15 i'm like can i still run like i just flew from rhode island i'm like i just paid a hundred bucks for an yeah. uber <laughs> i was like i want to let run me run let me run yeah yeah so they're like yeah they're like when you get here to like just get to registration immediately and get out on the course as fast as you can it's like all right so as i'm running looking for the start line there's these three three women they 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 were kind of looking like they were running late too and so i was like do you know what the start line is? And all three of them ignored me and just Ooh. ran off. I'm like, okay. Thank you. Yeah. And so I ended up finding the start line and they were a little bit ahead uh, ahead of me. So there was some bobbing and weaving before we go into the woods. And so as I'm coming up on the woods, I see the three of them standing at the opening of the woods. And they're like, hmm. uh, would you mind hanging with us? <laughs> and they're like, we don't want to. Be in the woods. woods I said, oh, oh. I said a second ago, right? Second ago, I was trying to get info and y'all just turn your noses to me, right? (laughs) So, so I ended up staying with, staying with them and, um, you know, doing it a lot faster. I mean, longer than it would have taken me because usually I can do a super in, in about an hour and 40. You know, so there it took us like four hours and 20 minutes, but, but I stayed with them. But with one of the women, we're like, besties even still it's like we chat at least three or four times a week and eventually i'm going to get back out there to rate to race with her again but yes just just amazing all the friendships that that form out there yeah and just like like you were saying just from simply stopping 
to just say hi, give it help, or like with me with me and Laura, just so you know, we're racing. Yeah, <laughs> we I, just, I know, We right? just went, went at each other the entire race. <laughs> By the way, I'm coming for you today, right? I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a big believer in karma as well, and and what goes around comes around, right? So I I like to, mm. you know, I've got this really, I mean, I'm gonna say it out loud. I haven't really told anyone this, but so I'm gonna say this for the first time. But um, okay. yeah, on a I was on a very long race a couple of years back, and I needed some. I was like, man, I just need I need something to go my way, and so. <laughs> Uh, it was on a road. I was doing a 300 kilometer race and it was all on roads. And so it was on back roads of Texas. And I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure they have the same thing in Rhode Island, but there's a lot of roadkill uh, on the back roads of mm. Texas. And so yeah, I've, I've been to Texas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so I don't know why, but as I, so I kept going past this roadkill and I would, at some point I turned to the possum, whatever it was on the, and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry that happened to you. Like, I don't know that anybody else is really here sort of um, consoling you for for having mm. passed away and whatnot. Totally looking back on that, even saying it out loud feels completely ridiculous. But I was looking for a karma, you know, and I was looking for a well, I'm going to I'm going to do something for that person because nobody else is going to do it. So I'm going to say, look, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry this happened to you. Mm. <laughs> so and it sounds utterly bizarre. And it is utterly bizarre. No, but I'm just looking for karma. I'm just looking for some good juju from somewhere to say, oh, yeah, you know, you took a moment to to go say something about. So every time I passed roadkill, and I do it to this day, I do, I do it while I'm driving to work. Uh, um, mm. Years later, if I see anything that's on the side of the road, I oh, I give a minute and just say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, and just, yeah, I'm no, just looking for a good feedback, you know, and uh, it's, yeah, that's uniquely yours. That's, like, I don't it think is. It's, we- it's weird at all. It's like whatever, it's weird. whatever, whatever people have to do to stay in a positive head headspace is what it is. You know, like, like with, with me, I have to craft scenarios, like, especially if, if I'm doing one of the longer races, because mm. running, I don't enjoy running. I never have. Yeah, me I either. like the mm-hmm. obstacles and I like the hill climbs like like I'm, I'm in it for those two. The other stuff, I'll do it if I have to. Yeah. But like that's that's not why I'm in it. So when I'm when, when I'm out there and I'm running, I'll look ahead and I'll be like guy in the orange hat. I'm taking them by mile four. All right. <laughs> and, and I just zero in on that. Yeah. Then when I catch that person, I look up ahead. All right. That person, red shirt, running them down. And I just have to c- craft those those scenarios. Like, same thing. Like, it might seem seem weird, but it works for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, like, I don't, I don't judge what anybody else does to give themselves that mental edge. Because yeah. we all have our, our unique things. Like, and that's mine. Like, I race with people who don't even know me from a hole in the wall but that's what gets me to that next gear absolutely i have a friend that does something very similar he calls it fishing so you yeah. cast a line and you grab the person in front of you the person in orange in your case and then you reel them in right you're trying to reel them and then you cast your line yep. again so the next and you just kind of <laughs> calls it fishing we're going fishing is what you say um so yeah <laughs> yep. basically just trying to catch tactic. the person ahead of you but it makes it a fun yes. a fun game in the middle of a terrible event where you feel like crap, mm-hmm. uh, they're just a bit of fun, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. See, and I, I like traveling for these things too. G- going back to what you were saying about liking the challenge of it is obviously if you go to a mountain course, you, you know, you're going up and down the hills. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know that. But when you go to other regions, like in 2015 was the first time I did one outside of New England. I went to Ohio. Right. And that was just a whole different ball game. Like there was a lot of water crossings. There was sand. Yeah. The one in Indiana was like seventy five percent sand. It was on a Ooh. like those sand those those sand dune courses. Yeah. Like those those race car sand dunes. Yeah. So it so there, there was it was pretty hilly, but it was mostly sand. Oh. And I was like, okay, like I was not prepared for sand for sure. And then we went down to Florida and just the swamp crossings. Like you just that muddy that muddy swamp. At one point. Remember at mile seven, we got into the swamp, but we didn't get out till mile nine. We spent two solid miles just yeah. trekking in that swamp. Yeah. Everybody's falling left and right because it's slippery in there. Yeah, yeah. And and it's Florida, so you got the the stress, like, are there alligators in here? <laughs> <laughs> you know? so, yeah. so then there's that. <laughs> but like, yeah, like every region has their their different their different elements. Like I just went to South Carolina in November 
to do all three, actually, because we, we did the Beast on Saturday. We did the Super and the Sprint on Sunday. So it's called a trifecta weekend. But uh, same same thing there. It, it was hills. There was water. There was mud. There were rocks. There was sand. There was red clay. Like There were just so many different elements to these races. And um, as, like I said, I'd been as far west as Indiana. Um, I was supposed to go to go to, go to Dallas a few years ago, but yeah, remember I said I ended up going to South Carolina. But I heard that the Dallas course, especially if it rains, it's super, super muddy. Oh, mm-hmm. but uh, but for some reason I want to experience that. Yeah, <laughs> so I think make it's a, my way down there to again, that one. It's back to those challenges, right? You test yourself in a variety of environments, and then you learn from that whether you are ultimately successful or not, and hopefully you are. But. Yeah. Either way, you're going to learn how do I respond when I have this new challenge in front of me and what am I going to do to get around it? Because I've, I haven't run in mud before. Or I haven't run up a mountain before. Or I haven't run at 12,000 feet elevation before. How the, how the hell does my body respond to that? I don't know, but I'm going to go Thanks. do it and I'll either, I'll either be successful and be okay or I won't. And I'll learn that, okay, I have to either, either that's not for me, it will never work, or I've got to do something really different in training if I want to try one of those races again. And that's going back to my friend who was doing the Triple Crown. That's kind of the mentality we got. I mean, she wasn't upset that she didn't finish the races because she learned all sorts about herself throughout the process. But I yes. love that. Just going different places. I race, I'm English, so I, I go back to England and I race over in England. That's a completely different different terrain, different setup, different culture, different aid stations, different everything. So that's a completely unique challenge too. And learning to do that and then bringing some of that back here and incorporating it into racing over here in the US is really cool. It's nice to be able to do that. But yeah, it's all about the challenge in a world that's ultimately like way too convenient for people, I think. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I want to have have you on my on my show too because I want to get I want to get your your story of how how you got got into all this and got into the ultra running and I'm sure there's a whole lot there. There is, and like like every good story and every good Englishman, uh, my story starts in a pub uh, over beers. So <laughs> that's that's my intro right. to my story, and that's how I got into this <laughs> ut- utterly ridiculous uh, thing that we do here of of massive miles of running and hiking uh but yes it starts in a pub yeah okay absolutely right. yeah we'll definitely uh get that get that on on the schedule i i paused it for i think i've paused it since april i want to say april maybe may and because like i wanted to focus on building up the gym and so we're pretty much ready ready to take off o- over there now going into january brilliant so like i'm gonna gonna get get the show started up again so i'll send you a link yeah and you can just pick a pick a time on there and it's just the way you do yours it's free 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 flowing like i, I don't need any i don't need any bios or anything okay. any, any talking points any of that it's just very very organic like i'm very skilled at picking people's brains perfect <laughs> so like i'll get i'll get that story right out of you well hopefully hopefully and, i have uh, one left uh at that point i got a few races coming up and they're going to be a challenge so uh i've got uh, okay. a couple of warm-up events uh, one in two weeks i got 100k in two weeks and then a 50 mile a couple of weeks after that and then my big one for here uh, i got a 200 mile race in i think it's north carolina running down the outer wow. banks of north carolina really which is a beautiful place and again part, for, part of the allure for me is travel so i like to go places yes. that i've never me been too. before and i think yeah uh, seeing these places on foot is a completely different experience to driving through or around or to these places and mm. staying in a hotel or whatever else so i get to yeah. i i purposely take myself places to see them on foot and so yeah, I'm nice. I'm I'm loving this one. There are lighthouses, there are wild horses, there's beach running, road running mm. through towns, and it's uh it's one of these races that's sort of self-supported. So there are no aid stations. There's nobody okay. helping you. You put everything you need in your pack and you go. Yep. And you've got a, you know, there's a GPS watching you go, but ultimately it's you. You decide where you stop, you decide when you stop, you decide when you sleep or where or when you eat. It's completely up to you and mm. I think that's in for me it's just it's beautiful you just it's your power you go and you make those decisions uh, all the way and i think that's a fantastic way to spend i mean it's a five-day race so um you got to figure it out over five days all those challenges that'll come up over that time span so i'm thoroughly looking forward wow. to that race at the end of february it's- 
So hopefully it's not it's cold over there. Yeah, it's yeah, good. It's fascinating. Yeah, like as you're talking, I'm, I'm jotting, I'm jotting stuff down down over here that I, I want to ask when you come on my yeah. show because there's so so much I want to di- dive into about all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we close out this chat, thoroughly enjoyed it. We do like to encourage guests to choose a song to add to the free Choose to Enjoy playlist. It's out there on Spotify if anyone wants to go check it out it's usually something to lift you up or motivate you or something that just gets your butt moving while you're while you're out doing one of these races rob did you have a song you'd care to add to the list and if so what is it and and why does it resonate with you simply the best by tina turner oh classic 19 late 80s late 80s tina turner classic yes and the why behind that one is because I'm a super confident person nice. <laughs> and just, I, I know like even now I still, I still compete in, in track, track meets in the, you know, the old man division. Oh, yeah. But like before every meet I put that song on. Cause like, even now when I'm working with, with my track team, I was like, you can be the hunter or you can be, be the hunted. Mm. And I was like, when you're the hunted, you train different. <laughs> you just do. And so I play that song. So I go into it knowing that I'm going to be hunted at this meet, but I'm simply the best. All right. I love it. I love it. Great job. Great choice. Fantastic Thank song. You. Did we lose Tina Turner this, this year? I think, did she pass away or am I thinking uh, of somebody I'm not else? sure, to yeah. be honest. Either way, fantastic singer nonetheless and a great song. So yes. fantastic. So uh, as we come to the close of another episode, just I want to thank my guest Rob again for his Fantastic time and insights. Thank you, Rob. These uh, Spartan events seem pretty awesome and really quite complimentary from an ultra runner perspective. So if you are looking maybe to change it up a little bit, listener from your regular ultra running training, which can get pretty kind of monotonous, or you're looking for some extra cross training with a purpose, still keeping that competitive element and using some of the same lessons and techniques that you're probably already working on or you should be working on, at least from a strength perspective, or you just think it sounds fun, definitely consider going out, maybe not the ultra 50K fun, but consider going out to the to the Spartan website, checking it out. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go to check out any courses and races uh, that might be close to you. In the meantime, don't fix, forget to subscribe to the show. That way you get notified every time a new episode comes out. And of course, follow, share, and review. Doing any of those things really does tighten up the algorithms and it helps others find the show too. So if you are already one of the Endurance Nation out there, maybe you can help a friend discover the show too. You can find us all over social media. We're at choose to endure.com. And right now we're just starting up over on YouTube as well. So you can be sure to head out head over there and uh, check us out if you have a moment. Until then, remember to run long, run strong, and choose to endure. Thanks for running with us at the Choose to Endure podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. We had a blast. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. Keep racking up the miles and the stories, and we'll catch you at the next trailhead. Until then, remember to run long, run strong.